We're going to see a couple of Mishnayas talking about a gift given by a Shechiv A Shechiv is somebody who is lying on their deathbed, and the Rabbonim decreed that a Shechiv is able to give over a gift to somebody else just by saying so. And no real act of acquiring and transfer of ownership needs to be performed, unlike all other cases where one is giving a gift or selling something to somebody else. The reason being that we're concerned that if that is not the case, we might speed up his death because he'll be stressed and upset that he can't give this gift away to somebody else. And so the decree that a Shimra would be able to transfer ownership of his possessions without the need for an act of acquiring. And we're going to see a couple of cases. What happens if the Shimra gets better? Is the gift always going to be valid or not? And as an introduction to that, this Mishnah discusses quite a different case, but where a gift is valid, but later on might become retroactively invalid. The custom in times of the Mishnah was that the day that um, after a man and woman get engaged, he performs Kiddushin with the woman, that's the first step of the marriage. A day after the Kiddushin was performed, he would often send gifts The custom was that he would send gifts to his bride, and either he would give her just enough to last her until the wedding, or sometimes he would give her more than that, and it would last even until after they are already married. So then she says, One who sends these gifts to the house of his future father-in-law, where his bride is living, and he sends it the day after they get engaged. That was usually the custom. Even if he sends a hundred money, which is 10,000 zuz worth of these gifts, a huge gift, but he ate there in his future father-in-law's house a festive meal celebrating their engagement, even if he only ate a dinar worth of food there, since he did partake in that celebration, it is viewed as if he has forgiven and that he is foregoing on his right to be able to recollect these gifts in case the wedding doesn't actually take place. Says so the Mishnah, Eno Nigbin, the gifts cannot be recollected and reclaimed by him because we view the fact that he was part of that celebration as an indication that he's willing to give the gifts fully to the woman and is not going to reclaim them later on. However, if he has not eaten the... If he didn't partake in that meal celebrating their engagement, then the gifts can be collected. Because there's no indication that he's forgiven and foregone on the right to recollect the gifts in the event that they don't actually end up getting married. Now, so far we've been discussing a case where he didn't specify whether she was supposed to use the gifts, whether they were supposed to last her only until the wedding, or even further than that. But if Shalach Sivlonis Merubin, if he sent lots of gifts and he specified that the gifts will end up coming back into her husband's house, meaning they'll last her even until after the wedding takes place, then anything which is left over once the wedding is cancelled for whatever reason and the engagement doesn't get taken through with, as soon as that happens, he is able to recollect any gifts which remain, and this is even if he was part of that meal of celebration, because he specified that she's supposed to bring them into his house once they get married. So obviously if they don't end up getting married, he has every right to collect any gifts which remain. On the other hand, if he sent only a few gifts, and he specified that she should use them while she's still in her father's house, and that they should last her only for the time before the wedding, then he would not be able to collect any of those gifts once the wedding is cancelled and they don't go through with it. So that is sort of an introduction to this Mishnah, and now Mishnah Vov talks about a Shechiv 
somebody who was lying on their deathbed, and he wrote all of his property away to others. So it's true that he's able to do it even by word of mouth. But he wrote it down. But he left out of the gift for himself. He did not give away a certain amount of land, even a very small amount of land. And really, this refers to any possessions. If he doesn't give away all of his possessions, and then he ends up getting healthier again, and he doesn't die. The question is, is the gift which he gave valid or not? Says the mission about Nosoy Kayemes, his gift is indeed valid. Because the fact that he didn't give away, give away everything means that he did take into account the possibility that he's going to get healthy again and live. And yet he still gave away the present. And so that present is considered to be valid. However, it's very important to note that since he ended up getting healthier again, and he didn't give away all of his property... The unique law which applies to a Shechiv Marav, that no act of acquisition is necessary, would not apply. So therefore we must be actually talking about a case where an act of acquiring and transfer of ownership was performed. Alright, continues the Mishnah, If he didn't leave out any amount of land or possessions, rather he gave away all of his possessions, then in Matnos if he does get healthy again, the gift would not be valid, because it's clear that he only intended to give it away because he was sure that he was about to die. And therefore, it's totally based on a mistake, and the transfer of ownership would be invalid. Now, what happens if somebody was very ill, and there was a danger that he was going to die, but later on he became healthy again, and meanwhile, there is, let's call this person who was ill, Ruvain. Meanwhile, Shimon has a document, which he received from Ruvain, and Ruvain gave away all of his property to Shimon. That's what was written in the document. And it's not written in the document, Ruvain did not write in the document that he was a Shechivmara when he's giving over this gift. And right now he's healthy. And Ruvain claims that Ruvain says that he was a Shechivmara when he wrote this document and gave it over to them. So since he's now healthy and he didn't leave any possessions out of the gift, we just learned in the Mishnah that the gift will be invalid. However, the Heimoimrim, but they claim that he actually gave us this document when he was healthy. Just like he's healthy right now, that's when he gave us the document with, with all of these possessions. Not when he was actually a Shechiv Marah. So if a healthy person gives all, all of his possessions away, certainly that is considered to be valid. Says the Mishnah, according to the Tanakama, since right now he is healthy, we assume that it's in this state that he gave away his possessions. It's a similar idea really to a Chazaka. A Chazaka means that if somebody has a particular status or something, an item has a particular status, we assume that that status continues to be as it has been until now, unless proven otherwise. Here we have a very similar concept, just the opposite. Since right now he is healthy, we assume that also when he gave the gift, he was healthy. So Tzorech Lahavi Raya Ruven is the one who needs to prove that he was a Shechivmara when he gave it, or otherwise we are going to assume that he was healthy when he gave away that present. Dear Reb Meir, that is the opinion of Reb Meir. However, the Chachom say, The regular law which applies to a case of a doubtful claim in a monetary matter, if somebody is claiming money from somebody else, and it's a doubt who is correct, then the one who is trying to claim the money, he is the one who needs to prove that he is entitled to it, or otherwise he cannot claim any money. And therefore, unless proven otherwise, Ruben would not need to give them the gift. Mishnah Zion, we've assumed until now, as a simple given fact, that a Shechiv can give away his possessions, even without doing a regular act of acquisition. However, the truth is, this Mishnah will show us that it's actually a machloikes. It's a debate among the Tanoim. One who distributes his property, his possessions, just by his mouth, 
We're talking about a Shechiv Marah. Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yezer says, Echel bori ve'echel masukon. Whether he is healthy or he's in danger of dying, meaning even if he is a Shechiv Marah, the regular laws of transferring property apply, and therefore, this is a way of referring to land. Niknin can be acquired only bekesef. If the person receiving it gives money for it, or if the person giving away the land gives him a document saying that he's giving over the land to him, or if the person receiving the land shows ownership over the land by building a fence or in another way of showing ownership, and movable items, can only be acquired by pulling the item towards towards oneself. This also refers to lifting it up. The point is that the regular... Um, laws for acquiring property apply even to a shechivmara. Omuloi the chacham said to Eliezer, a shechivmara does not need regular transferring ownership laws. Just by saying it is enough, and they prove it. There's a story with the mother of the sons of Roichel. Roichel was a man's name, so Roichel's wife, when she was shechayla, she was ill. She was about to die. The Omran she said, "Tenu kavinasi leviti." Give my scarf to my daughter, and no act of acquisition was taken place at all. The Hebrew name was Ramona, and it's worth 12 money, 1200 zuz. And then Vameso she died, and they fulfilled her words. And the Chachamim told them that that is what they should do. So we see a proof that no real act of acquiring is necessary. But Omar Lahen and replied to them, the sons of Reichel to Kabri Mimom, their mother should bury them. Meaning these people were a shame, according to Rebeliezer. According to Rebeliezer, the reason why the Chachomim said that they should give the scarf to the daughter is just so that they wouldn't receive it. They were a shame, so in order to punish them, the Chachomim said that, yeah, you should fulfill the mother's words and give the scarf to the mother's daughter. That's no proof for the halacha. Now, the next opinion is in the middle. Bashabbos, the Chachomim and the Chachom say, Bashabbos, a Shechiv Marah who says on Shabbos that he wants to give a gift to somebody, Devorv Kayomim, his words would be fulfilled and valid. Because on Shabbos he's not able to write. So in such a case, the Chachom said that he's definitely going to get very stressed if he can't give away this gift. So on Shabbos, the Chachom decreed that he's able to give away things just verbally. But not on a regular weekday. Since he's able to write, that is the only way that he can give away his property without doing a regular act of transfer. And it could be that on a weekday you'd actually have to do a real act. And the Chacham only decreed on a Shabbos that you're able to say it and that would be enough. Now Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yeshua sa- says the exact opposite. But Shabbos Omru, if the Chacham said that on Shabbos the Shechimera is able to give over the ownership, all the more so on a regular weekday. If you think about it, on Shabbos, all of the regular laws of acquiring don't apply. You're not able to acquire things on Shabbos. So it's sort of a time which is not fit for acquiring items. And yet, the Chachom said that you're able to acquire it in a particular way, by saying. So on a weekday, where it is the time that you're able to acquire things, all the more so that you should be able to acquire it in this particular way of speech. And the Mishnah brings a similar example, where we find a similar argument, Kayitzabai, similar to this. According to the Tanakhama, Zochin Lakotan, one is able to acquire something on behalf of a child, since the child himself is not able to acquire it. Halachically, he hasn't got enough, a sufficient level of understanding to halachically be able to acquire something. One is not able to acquire something on behalf of an adult who's able to do it himself. 
Maybe Yeshua says the exact opposite. The Chacham said that you're able to acquire something on behalf of a cotton, on behalf of a child, even though he's not able to acquire anything himself. All the more so you're able to do this on behalf of somebody who has got the ability to acquire things. So we see this similar two opposite ways of looking at things between Tanakama and Rabbi Yeshua. Mishnachetz, the rest of the parak continues to discuss the laws of inheritance, but cases of doubt. Nofal habayis olov al oviv. If a house falls down onto a person and his father, and they both die, olov al marishov, or it falls down on a person and a second person who is the moirish of this other person. A moirish, as we saw at the beginning of the perek, is somebody that when he dies, his possessions will be inherited by the other person. So the point is, the house fell on somebody and his inheritor. And the question rises as to who died first. Let's say Ruvain was Shimon's father. So if Ruvain died first, that means all of Ruvain's possessions were inherited by Shimon. And then when Shimon dies, Shimon's inheritors are entitled not only to Shimon's property, but also to all of Ruvain's property. However, if Shimon died first, then he never inherited Ruvain, and as such, Shimon's inheritors would not necessarily inherit Ruvain. We're discussing a case where Shimon owed money either for his wife's ksuba, the ksuba is the document written up at the time of marriage, and one of the things in the ksuba, written in the ksuba, is that when he dies, the wife will be entitled to a certain amount of money. So Shimon really owes this money, or his wife is entitled to this money once he dies, and he also owed money to somebody else, he had borrowed money from someone. Now Shimon himself, we're going to understand, had no possessions at all. So the only way that his wife or the person who lent him money are going to be able to collect any money is if Shimon inherited money from Ruvain before he died. So Yoshea Av, those who are inheriting the father Ruvain, they Omrim, they claim that Habain Mes Rishain, the son Shimon died first, and therefore the property of his father Ruvain was not inherited by Shimon, and rather it should be inherited by us. Only after Shimon died did Ruvain the father die. On the other hand, Baliachovahimrim, the ones who were owed money by Shimon claim that Ha'av Mesrishon, first the father Ruvain died, and only then did Shimon the son die. They should split it. The property remains in the states that it has been until now, since we know that certainly Ruvin's inheritors have had a claim until now that when Ruvin dies, they're the ones who are going to receive it. And now we're just not sure whether there's something getting in the way, whether Shimon took it first. So if we're not sure, then we stay with what we've known until now, that Ruven's inheritors are the ones who are entitled to Ruven's property. However, Beis Shammai have a different logic. According to Beis Shammai, which means that a document which is ready to be collected, even before it's been collected, if somebody owes someone else money, we look at it, halakhically speaking, in a certain way as if the debt has already been collected. And therefore, it's, you can't say that it's Ruvain's inheritors who have the status until now that they're the ones who are going to receive it. And that's the status quo. No, if we have this concept that the debt is, so to speak, as if it's already been collected somewhat, so the lender, the one who's owed the money, has an equal claim on the inheritance as do Ruvain's inheritors. And that is why, according to his Shammai, it should be split.